Listen, us talking. I'm Phil Wally Stack, and in this podcast series, I get to sit down with a few of our well-known elders here in Boralu. That's the proper name for Perth. My guest today is a natural storyteller. It's a skill he developed during his time doing cultural tours as Australia's first park ranger, and it's something he's perfected over the years. He's been an author, cultural guide, elder in residence, and a leader of many reconciliation projects. Uncle Noel Nanup loves to share his culture. He truly believes sharing knowledge is our path to a better future. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Uncle Noel to the show. Uncle Noel, why aren't you? Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Yeah. You're looking solid. I feel good. Yeah. yeah. Good to be here. Yeah, well, a lot of fa- yeah. followers reckon I've got a face for podcasts. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> now, Uncle... You're one of Perth's most well-known advocates of Noongar culture, but you actually didn't grow up on Noongar country. No. Well, actually, I did. Yeah. And I need to explain that, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you were born in Geraldton. Yeah. Yeah. To well, Geraldton's Noongar country. Yes. Well, A lot of I people say lot... it isn't, but I... it is. Yes. Well, I hear a lot of, yeah. a lot of yarns, but... Yeah. That's that's where like we'll go we'll go into this a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we will. And but first, yeah. tell me about your early years growing up. Okay, in Geraldton. Well, I was born in 1948, and um, I do remember coming home to an old house. Now, I don't know how early in my life that was, but probably two or three years old, maybe. Was it in Was it in yeah. town? Yeah, it was in, in town. So it was, it, it was at in the end of a street, and I later learned it was called Weld Street. And it ran off what we call Mount Misery up on the top of the hills there overlooking the town of Geraldton. Yep. And um, right at the end of the street was this old weatherboard house and apparently our mob lived in it for a while. Okay. And there was a lovely old lady, I can't remember her name, but mum said she always allowed us um, to stay there. Mm. And normally it wasn't a very expensive exercise according to mum. Yep. And um, Dad had just finished working in the wool stores because he worked in the wool stores during the war. Yeah. And uh, being born in '48, because I'm after well after the war. Yeah. And um, and he didn't want to work for the system anymore. So yeah. Just touching on your parents, your yep. mum and dad. Yep. Your, your mum's Injabari. Yeah. Narlama. Injabari. Narlama. Narlama. Narlama? Injibandi. Injibandi. Yeah. Right. And your father, Nunga? Yeah, dad. And yeah. Your, your father did some work up north where he met your mum, is that right? Well, he was working in Mekathara, Waluna. Yep. And while he was working up there, um, from about 16 years of age, he was taken from Magumba, where, right. where he was, um, because where he was before that was in the Swan River Anglican Boys' Home. Just out in Guildford there, mm. uh, Midland. And when that closed in 1922, they took him up to Magumba. And, so, uh, yeah, when he was 16, he went out to work on the stations. So your father is uh, part of the stolen generation? Um, taken as a young age? Yeah, you could say that. I, I have Dad's records, you know, yeah. from um, when he was born through to about 1972. Mm. And uh, that included marriage to mum. And you say, where did they meet? 
Yeah. Well, Dad came down for a holiday and his uh, younger sister, Auntie Dorothy um, Nanup, she um, was a friends with Mum. Right. And Mum had been brought back up from well, that's, that's William. That's how it works. Yeah. He'd recommend yeah. it, Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> and they were like uh, staying at Bennett House, in the, you know, just here. Yep. And um, they went to a dance and at the dance, because Dad had just come down from the north and mm. he slicked up a little bit and <laughs> went along and met um, his sister mainly. Yeah. And, of course, the upside of that was Mum was with her. Ah. And then they got introduced and Mum had been brought down from the Pilbara. From the Pilbara, you know, yeah. Yeah. So your your father's early years, I want to talk about, yeah. talk about your mum soon, but yep. just... While well, well, we're talking about Dad for a little yeah, bit here. Yep. So where was Dad born? Dad was actually born um, in the Helena River. And, and you found all this out with your brother, I think, eh? That's right. And you went to yes. the, libra- the Batty Library yes, and, and yes. did the whole... And I had to do the research. What was... What was um, I, I tell you what. Where, where was your mindset, <laughs> yeah. you know, when you, when you, you wanted you, to you, know you, more about You wouldn't dad. wish it on your worst friend, you know, mm. because we grew up in Geraldton and it wasn't on... My home country, mm. you know, apart from where Dad had been and most of our family had been. Yeah. But um, as I was there, Dad's younger brother came up and his name was Uncle Thomas. And Uncle Thomas was really brilliant with culture yeah. and sang in language and, you know, a bit like mm. you do. And um, he was... Well, it depends what country. He was deadly, you know, <laughs> and... Um, and he taught me stories and everything. And most of the cultural knowledge I have of Nyungar side was from Uncle Thomas. Wow. And uh, um, he, the legend that, you know, is him. Uncle Ben Taylor talks about him. Yeah. Um, you know, being a real mabarn, you know. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I say that name now and it still still puts the shivers yeah, in I me. Can see, I can see your face <laughs> because, now. Yeah. Because um, you learn about them and you, you don't ever want to meet them. Mm. Mm. But there was Uncle Thomas, you know, so large as life. With, with obviously, like like a yeah. lot of us growing up, you know, in our communities, yeah. our aunties and our uncles are our mums and dads, and the way they, that are. they teach us. Yeah, you know? so yeah, yeah. You obviously had that real strong connection with your yeah. family. Yeah. But that just that. Um, That's dad's side. With, with your dad's side, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So still sticking yeah. with your dad's yeah. side. Yeah. Because I'm really. Um, Oh, you know, reading your story, I was, yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated about it, you know, because <laughs> yeah. I see yeah. around the community all the time, you know, and yeah. we have a good yarn. And, yep. But it was just that I know with myself and doing research on our family history yeah. and our connection to country yeah. or just our bloodline, you know. Yes, yes. When you started researching mm-hmm. your father's side, yes. you know, was it was it exciting? Was it was well, it sad? Was it a bit of an emotional roller coaster? Well, when my brother gave me the information that he gave me, you know that part was really exciting, you know. And I started reading it. Mm. And the more and more I read it, I became depressed, you yeah. know, because of some of the horrendous things that happened to Dad in the mission, and you know, and the control they had over everybody in those days, and. And how, you know, his mum died in childbirth mm. because they were writing letters both ways trying to get Dad home, being the firstborn, and his mum pined away and she was with child. Mm. And when she gave birth, she only lasted about three months and then she passed on. And then the girl, it was a little girl that was born 
So Dad had a younger sister that he never, ever got to meet. Mm. And we'd, we pursued that for years and it ended up in Deneliquin in New South Wales. Right. Up from Echuca. Yep. And uh, we went across and tried to find her, but the trail went cold. We had no idea. And um, we could have relatives over there. I mm. feel that we would have. However, um, with all the other information and that and then the research, I had to do that mm. because when I shifted into Perth, that's when I found nobody knew who I was mm. or where I was from. And because my mum was from the Pilbara, they thought, oh, well, he's, he's a Pilbara man. Yeah. But that, she's the only outside influence in our family from Nyunga. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's a bit, you know, look, looking at your story and, yeah. and people say, you know, that um, Geraldton is Yemen, yeah. Yemen yeah, yeah, country yeah. and yeah, that, yeah. you know. But our borders cross over, don't they? They do. When you look at our culture. You and know? what I always go by is language. Mm. And, you know, in Geraldton I grew up at a little place called Wudakara. Wudakara. They say Utakara today. Right. Well, Wudar is a Nyunga word meaning the bronze winged pigeon. Right. And where it digs in the sand and has a sand bath. Yeah. That's what it means. Yeah. Nothing really romantic or anything. You know, white people pay a lot of money for that sort of stuff. <laughs> Do they? <laughs> anyway, that information then came from Uncle Thomas. Mm. And he also taught me the Grenna Flats are called Bukara. Well, you'd right. know straight away what a Bukara is. Yeah, yeah. A booker is a cloak. And that's that road yeah. when you're driving in fr- that's on it. Perth side or yes. that flat. Yes, yes, yes. Why? Because that flat there, when the Grinniff River runs, all the red ochres and sand comes down from the the um, Yomaji country, yeah. which is 40 k's out yeah. and beyond, and as it comes down, it floods across the flats. You know, it's over mm. a metre deep sometimes, two metres. Look like a big younger booker. Yeah, you go back to 54, <laughs> it's just like a big Marlu booker because yeah. Marlu is the red. Yeah, red kangaroo. Yeah, yeah. and and younger is the, the, the um, grey one. Mm. But when it spreads across like that and covers it with a cloak, then it's Yamaji country. Yeah. And I heard one old man singing, really old fellow he was, mm. We called him Gummy Egan and he was on Billabalong Station. And we used to always go up there. Dad would load the vehicle up with melons and fruit and kids and, you know, <laughs> camping gear and dogs and away we'd go. <laughs> and we'd head up there. Uncle Charlie Marr and Cousin Rosie were there. How that worked out, I'm not sure. And um, There's always some that's what we that called them. That, yeah, that was the name we gave them. And, and, and out there we'd have a fantastic Christmas every year for about seven or eight years straight mm. until Uncle Charlie died and um, he had no teeth. Yeah. He'd had all his teeth taken out. And I think back on it, you know, and he died of a heart attack early in life. Mm-hmm. He was in late, mid, mid to late 50s and that shouldn't have happened. Yeah. And I think our teeth have got a hell of a lot to do with our our um, nervous system and our heart. It's you know, funny you say and that all because that. I just had yeah. my own experience. Yeah, and, yeah. and some of the um, yeah. the stories. I, you know, I we take our teeth for granted. We do. Oh, I've been saying lately. Late, yeah. You know, and yeah, yeah. it's um, it, it's not until something happens to That's you it. that you realise how important you start to slow are. down and look at it. And the stories that I've been told from yeah. a lot of our, our yeah. own mob, yeah. family relatives who passed yeah. away from yeah. from. Gum diseases. Yeah, that's right. As a youngster, you don't 
you don't give a rat's bottom about it, you know? Yeah. But yeah. then you grow up a bit and you, and you slow down and you start to look at things a little deeply. Yeah. And, and when I do, I think about those early years, you know, those mm. fortunate early years that I had where I could, um, I could learn from them oldies. Well, you spent a lot of time... By the sounds of with with the oldies, you know, I did. which which yeah. a lot of our mob do, eh? When we're yeah. growing up, you know, with yeah. our aunties and uncles. Yeah. How old was you when you moved to Perth? When I moved to Perth, mm. well, the first time Dad brought me down here was in 1959, yeah. and I was 11, and he brought me down here to meet the old men because Uncle Thomas had spent three years with me teaching me, and he's, Uncle Thomas said that was his job. And he knew spiritually that was his job to teach me and I was Dad's youngest son. Mm. And uh, I grew up with seven sisters and I always say, don't feel sorry for me because growing up with seven sisters, you you learn a hell of a lot about the respect for the female, you know. Mm. And um, You got a lot of bodyguards too. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> and, of course, uh, that had a benefit later, you know, like Dad met Annie through Annie Dorothy, mm. that sister brother thing yep. and, and uh, yeah. they, we, we, I got to meet a few of the girls around town. Well, if they all had through two, them, two friends. Yes, friends, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the truth known, yeah, it's good. Anyway, um, so growing up in those early years, I, I would just listen to the oldies. You know, there was Uncle Harold Moocher, uh, Corbett. He was up at Northampton. Um, yeah. Um, and um, Auntie Ev was there as well, and of course then Auntie uh, Eva. That's Dalgetty, as well as so Auntie Eva Spratt. This is all your your father's side. Well, father's side these side. are the ones we were growing up on the reserve in Geraldton after we shifted out of the bush. Right. And um, there was old Kathy Gregory and and Peter Gregory, and. Um, as we moved into those old type houses, I think they were called type 65 or something, um, that was the architectural number they were given. Yeah. And they had a room on each end, kitchen in the middle and a kitchen veranda. in the middle, yeah. And all wrought iron tin, you know? Yeah. All over. It's just like you see in a lot, oh, lot of the movies, eh? When that, uh, really hot in summer and freezing cold in winter. Yeah. So... You're saying when you moved out of, the, yeah. out of the bush, yeah, that was before you was living in Geraldton, is that right? Um, we were living on the outskirts of town. On the outskirts. So we were a fringe dweller, if you like, and yeah. it was in the patch of bush near the cemetery. For a lot of our, um, <coughs> our, um, our listeners out there who yeah. don't know exactly what, what that meant back then about being a fringe, sure. fringe dweller. Sure, sure. Yeah. How would you explain it to, to people these days who yes. say, get over that, that's in the past? You know? <laughs> I know. Because it still affects, I know. It uh, does. affects our mob today. But yeah. what were some of the – there was laws in place or rules? There was, yeah. There was this group of people that worked for Native Affairs. It was called Native Affairs. Yeah. And the department, and they would be out there looking at Aboriginal families all the time. Mm. And talking to them and making sure that um, all the rules and regulations were abided by. Uh, some of our mob took up what they call citizenship, which meant they had to deny they were Aboriginal people yeah. and their families and then live as wadulas, you know. And mm. then they started the salt and pepper, bringing people in from 
around town and putting them into houses. The pepper is the Aboriginal people and the salt is the wadulas. You yeah, know, they moved us into suburbs. I've never heard it described like that before. Well, well that's what that's what everyone called it at the reserve. Yeah, salt okay. And the salt and pepper. Yeah, we 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 started to shift onto reserves and things like that. What yeah. was that feeling like from moving from a fringe dweller? Yep, which is basically on a reserve, isn't it? Yeah, on the reserve, yeah. and then moving into town. Yeah. Yeah. That must have been. Uh, um, yeah, some kind of experience like yeah. wow, you know. Yeah, was it was it a feeling of that? Well, Phil, we're finally accepted, or if, yeah, Phil. If I put it this way, we had the two moves. We moved out of five big tents, yep, and two bow sheds, onto the reserve, mm. and that okay. was that was about nineteen fifty nine sixty. And now, as I said earlier, I was eleven years old. Yeah, and um. Oh, the thing I remember most, it's dreadful, mate, I tell you. It really, really was dreadful moving out of the bush because Dad had us out there to instil his teaching. Mm. And his teaching was that, you know, we were um, we were to respect each other yeah. and not just that but respect everybody. Mm. And with him and Mum working together, they were disciplinarians of the highest order. And mum couldn't sort it out and she said, Father, we were in trouble. Mm. And he never relented. He was consistent as the day was long. And if dad was called, we knew we were going to cop it. Yeah. Mum was uh, a little bit more mm. loving, <laughs> if I could say that. Yeah. Not that dad wasn't. And I think it broke his heart many times having to discipline us. Yeah. After mum and um, I seen him in tears once when he he, he um, took a swishy stick and and beat one of my sisters with it, mm. you know, because she'd done something that she shouldn't have done and mm. and um, it breaks your heart though oh, as a father, doesn't gosh, it? it, it, it and yeah, you can imagine what was going through his mind. That's right. And I look back in hindsight it, when that, I was um, young, uh, a bit older, and I thought, oh, poor old dad, mm. you know. And I, I feel yeah. the same way every yeah. time I tell, tell my kids off, you know, yeah. and it, it just it breaks your heart. It does. Because yeah. you try and say, you try and get the mum to be <laughs> the, the disparately one so that the yep. father can get away yep. with it. And you can get away yeah. with it. But Especially with my daughter. Yeah. And, and I, I yeah. can imagine how, you, yeah. how your father felt, you know. Yeah. On, when you was living on the reserves, yep. um, you know, I talked to a, a lot of our yeah. a lot of our elders about growing up on mm-hmm. the reserve, and yeah. and they saw a lot of things, yeah. and was traumatised by a well, lot of events that happened on the reserve. Oh, if I hear someone screaming now, I, I just lose it. Why is that? Honestly, because within weeks of shifting onto the reserve, there was an incident where beautiful people would just transform into raving lunatics. Mm. Through grog and you know that alcohol mm. and and um, not being able to work and when they did get a job, you know, as soon as they got the money, they'd be straight into the pub and then come home and take it out on the family. So this and, was, this was the early years. Yeah, this when this was someone was allowed to yeah purchase alcohol. Yeah, we just shifted in off the well, they weren't allowed to. Right, and I'll justify what I said there for you in a moment. And when we moved onto the reserve, there was a, a truck that used to come in in the morning and had a bloke on the back with a megaphone. It was a big Bedford truck. 
and he'd be yelling out numbers and I didn't know what the numbers were. But gradually over a period of time those numbers were the numbers that were given to the men by the wharf. Okay. And if their number was called out, they were needed to go into the wharf and unload manganese because the manganese ships used to come in and the superphosphate ships and our mob always got the jobs to help unload them because there was a lot of um, labour, you know, it was labour-intensive, whereas today it's all machinery. Mm. And when they worked on the manganese, by the end of the day, that was black as black, Mm. you know, black as the car tyres because the dust from the manganese was sticking to them and all you could see was their eyes and their mouth and and they would just walk into the pubs because no one knew they were Aboriginal or who they were. Ah, And they'd be able to get a a, a drink. Yep. And then they'd come home and that was the problem. So within a few months of coming home, uh, going onto the reserve, I saw an incident, you like you say, they're traumatic, where one of these men actually killed his own wife and she was nursing a baby at the time. And, um, oh, never forget it, you know, through there with a knife. Through the neck? Yeah. And the blood was just curdling and going everywhere and she's she's just saying, no, don't, don't hurt my baby, don't hurt my baby. Oh, man, I... Just <laughs> makes me shudder. Mm-hmm. I can really see, does. see your face now. Yeah, it's yeah. it's. And how do you live those moments? You know, and how old were you? Yeah, I was. Like I said, I must have been nearly twelve. Wow. And I'd never seen anything like it. All I've seen is, is people totally respect one another. You know, and and, and that's, talk, that's still talk with you today. Decently to one another. You know. Yeah. And mum and dad instilled that into us out in the bush there. Yeah. And um, always look for the good in everything, mm. and that's what I've ever. Oh, that's all I ever do, you know. Yeah, just seeing you talk about mm. that incident, you know. Oh, gosh, yeah. And, and, but um, we keep up with that little baby. You're saying it still gives you that little baby's now grandmother. Wow, and she's got beautiful children. But just that moment too. Yeah, you, you can see the strength of yeah of a mother's love because you, know, you look for the good in everything. Yeah. You know? And she's there. And that's what balances baby. that negative and that for me is, is I see that little one now. Yep. And we we're able to keep up with its life and to know that it went on to do this amazing thing with their life and not get bogged down in the angst and frustration that must be associated. Wow. And obviously protected from that story. Yep. Yeah. So it, it still gets to you today? Oh, yeah. If I hear someone screaming, especially yeah. a female, oh, I just shudder. I lose it. I've just got to go away and pause and and, and just quietly reflect and say, come on, wow. <laughs> you know, get it together. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's tragic. Yeah. Tell me about your mum. My mum? Oh. Oh. Uh, if my mum ever hugged you, you would... You would know what I mean. She's just that beautiful person. Mm-hmm. She gave us love and guidance and understanding and discipline. Mm. And and when she hugged us, you know, just you, you just felt that you had not a care in the world, mm. you know. And she was like this great big protector. <laughs> <laughs> and you got lost in it and it was just beautiful. Yeah. And 
as a youngster, of course. So with um, your with your yeah. mum's mum's side of the family, I know with with your dad and yes. and his family yes. taught you a, a lot of our Nunga stories, Nunga, yep. Nunga culture. Yep. On your mum's side, obviously being through the Pilbara, did you yeah. have a lot of? Um, did you get taught a lot of the language and dances and cultures well, the, from your mum's side? It's interesting you ask that because. From my mum's side, there was very little, but mum always said to us, and she spoke the language, mm. and she always said, when you go back to country, you've got to always say, which means I'm a child from that country and I have the right to use Mirda the Ochres to paint it mm. and to remember that I'm a, a Garimara and I didn't understand it as a youngster, but I certainly do now. What's a Garimara? Gary Murray is uh, a person that fits into the kinship structure. Ah, right. And, and that kinship, you've got to get it right. Yeah. You know? Learning, you know, yeah. knowing, you obviously talk, um, no, what would it be, the language up that way? That's Ngalama Njibandi. Mainly Njibandi. Yeah. And Nunga. So you're, yeah. you're bilingual. Mm-hmm. You talk in the European languages as well? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but seeing, you know, a lot of people always say that our Noongar people down here yeah. in the city got no culture. I know, I heard that many a time. How, how I, does that make I, you feel knowing well, that you got, you know, your Pilbara well, connection there? Actually, and, I don't see it as a negative. I just turn it into a positive and mm. say, well, I'll show you, you yeah. know, we got culture. And you travelled quite yeah. a bit as well because yeah, you became a, a ranger. Yes. For CALM. I don't know what it's called these days. It's yeah. got some big long acronym. Well, that was, that was a life changer for me Yeah. when I became a ranger. How did that come about? That came about by me working for a mineral sands company called Allied Minerals. Yep. And uh, the big, my, the big um, treatment plant for the mineral sands was out at Nangaloo. Brand new. Where's that? It's just out of Geraldton. Oh, okay. And it's on a railway line and and that uh, probably be southeast of Geraldton by about eight to ten k's. And they built this brand new sand treatment plant, and it was beautiful. And they were recruiting, and I was this time I was in by this time I was um, working for the local government in Three Springs, mm-hmm. the Shire. And uh, we used to do what we call the Cunnamulla Flash there. You'd drive the grader or the loader or uh, the backhoe I or thought anything. that was something where you had a <laughs> jacket on and <laughs> yeah. okay. And then we'd, we'd just go from one machine to the other and you didn't have a lot of the union stuff to mm. to worry about like to have work. today, you know. You just did the work. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and – um, I was working out there and I used to have to sandblast these pipes and launders like big troughs and they'd pump the sand into these and when they did onto the metal, which was probably a quarter-inch plate, mm. it would wear out because you've got the sand agitating it with water and and then it would just wear just a hole in it. it back. Yeah, yeah, so they had this process of rubber lining the launders and the pipes. Mm. Well, I got that gig. And um, I worked in the local um, uh, workshop there and I remember the day I started, it was just amazing and I decked out in me, um, you know, hard yakka 
<laughs> you know, gear and boots yeah. and hat and all. And How old was you back then? Um, I would have been 28. Oh, so this is when you're getting into yeah. the grooming side yeah, of things. Yeah, yeah, and... that's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, prior to that, I tried to play football. Yeah. And, you know, a touch of the Hollywoods, you know. <laughs> Thought I was the greatest thing since sliced bread, dancing oh. around the ground. We all did. I look back in hindsight and <laughs> cringe in shame. <laughs> think, did I really do that? Yeah. Was I that? Well, that, I suppose that right there <laughs> yeah. is, is your is, yeah. is our listeners is the perfect description <laughs> of Uncle Noel Nana because he's so honest. Oh, Whereas dear. a lot of people, when they get older, they get better at football. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got worse. And um, anyway, so I had to do the sandblasting for these pipes. I had to unload them with a, um, a machine on the back called a high ab. So yeah. I had a ticket for that. And uh, the sandblasting, you know, I had to do a, a course for that. Yeah. Then the rubber lining. I came down here to Perth and worked out at some of the things for three or four weeks, mm-hmm. learning how to line a text okay. and rubber line launders. I loved maths, so I had no problems with maths. Yeah. And um, also repair conveyor belts and all those sorts of things, and I got good at it. Mm. But it all went glug. And when it went glug, I thought, I'm not going to stay here forever. Yeah. I've got to do something else. Did you have a feeling because of who you yeah. are today and, yeah. and, you know, you're known as a passionate storyteller, yeah. you know, the keeper of a lot of stories and to yeah. pass our culture on and closing, yeah. closing, you know, the gap between yeah. black and white, you know, and yeah. reconciliation. Yeah. Was it that sort of calling of country calling you to, be, to pursue the ranger career? But like you said, to, to be honest with you, I had no idea. Well, that, that's, yeah, that, <laughs> I just uh, put the seatbelt on and hung on. <laughs> did, you, did you know about the range, about CALM and the ranger program? I had no idea. Okay. I'd, something just said, be a ranger. Yeah. Outdoors, you know, and I'd seen one or two come into town now and again and I thought, oh, I'd love to do that. Yeah. Four I know wheel, that you four-wheel drive you spent... and sign on the door, <laughs> epaulets on their shoulders. Orange light on the roof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I know that uh, with, with the Ranger you spent a lot of time through the Kimberleys. Yes. Both east yep. and west of the Kimberleys. Yes. How did, how did that change your life? You know, did that open yeah. open you up to more of yeah. our culture? Because at it the end did. of the day, being yeah. black folk, you're yeah. country calling you. <laughs> yeah. You know? And it's, it's, yeah. A, it's on us to For sure. listen, yeah. you know, and, and act on it. So. Well, that, like I said, it was life-changing. Mm. One, getting the job, and then two, being a ranger on country and meeting people, yeah. you know. I met that many people. Were you the first Aboriginal ranger? I was the first, yeah. Boss. And the first wildlife officer was Trevor Wally. I don't know him. You don't know him. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't. <laughs> and uh, he'd been in two years before me. Okay. And I joined in 78. So he told me he'd gone straight from school. Yeah. And straight into it. And he's still and he's there. He's still there. He's still there. God, yeah. I'd like his super policy. To the front door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, so going to the Kimberley, wow, 1981. Mm. Uh, 15th of March, never, ever forget Still it. Still a lot of unsealed roads? Oh, mostly. Yeah. You could drive all the way to Halls Creek without, you know, being on bitumen, just wow. past the Fitzroy Flats there. And uh, saw a hell of a lot of changes. But um, the main thing about there is the people. I met the old people, you know. Mm. Um, 
they were taken away. Mullabulla yeah. was the main place they were taken. Yeah. Now they were back on country and most of them were on their home country. And you take on these stories, don't you? Yeah, you do. You know, you take yeah. on people's yep. emotions and journeys you do. And, and you take yep. it on. And Is that part of, yeah. you know, obviously this is a silly question, but that's what shaped you, isn't it? It is. You know, yeah. all the old people. And that yearning inside, you know, you don't know it's there and then suddenly it crops up mm. and, and you, you, you're getting pulled in two directions. And my, I was lucky up there, my immediate supervisor in the department was in Karatha. Mm. That was 1,200 kilometres away. Right. <laughs> Long right. way. That's well, the head office. So that's, was, your, that's your boss. Yeah, yeah. head everyone, office everyone was down here. Everyone likes to be that far from their <laughs> boss though, you know. <laughs> head office was down here. Yeah. Another, you know, 2,000 or 1,200 kilometres away. Yeah. And when you've got that space. That gives you that, gives space, you that experience yeah. and that space, yeah. what you're talking about. Yep. Is that when you're learning those yep. the stories from all those old people, yeah. Yeah. And you can understand all the song lines yes. that we are connected to, eh? Yeah. And I, I try to tell a lot of people that without one That's of our right. song lines from yeah. here to Mornington Island. Exactly. You know, and goes way. right through past yep. the Olgas. Yeah. You know, the Olgas yeah. got a Noongar name. Yeah. And when you're yeah. travelling through country, you identify with different you names. Do. You and do. then you find out where they come from, you know. Yeah, and you go straight away. Huh? I know you tell a lot that of those, how that fits. You tell a lot of the song line stories. And yeah. That, you know, when, but... I was lucky with Uncle Thomas. He taught me the memory code, how okay. to remember. And you just draw a little symbol, you know. That's why our mob did symbols. Yeah. And you put your story into the symbol and you, can, you, you can't forget it. Wow. And if you sing it, well, it's well, there, there forever. How do you learn the alphabet? That's it. You sing it. You write, you learn know? it. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. all through songs, yeah. And songs and dances and artwork. But what I'm finding now, getting a bit older, is I do forget things. Mm. And I think that's got something to do with the, the grey matter getting a bit old, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. talking about, um, you know, your education side and, and yep. passing on knowledge. Yeah. You went to uni at the age of 40. That's right. Now, I'm 40 and <laughs> honestly, I've been talking to my wife about yeah. studying. Yeah. But I've been a bit hesitant because I think that my time is gone. No. But after no, reading no, no, your no, story, no. it's just beginning. Yes. So yes. at 40, yeah. what made you go to uni? Where where was you at in well, your life at this 40? is where going to Fitzroy Crossing comes into it. Right. Because the old Aboriginal men up there said to me, one Monday night. It used to be Monday night because I used to have meetings with them uh, every Monday night mm. and that was in Janjua community and they're Bunaba people, they're um, Wonka Chunka, they're Guni Andy yeah. and um, it's from out the desert as well and they'd come in and and there'd be this meeting and they say, we want to go to the gorge and catch fish mm. and light fires and... Because National Parks <laughs> is exactly the opposite. So I, I rang my boss and he said, well, you're there on the ground and you're a ranger in charge. You've got to make a decision. You make the decision. Mm. Don't rely on me. And I thought, oh, beauty. So I worked out during the wet season would be theirs. Yeah. And during the dry season would be tourists. <laughs> and it worked out beautifully. Mm. And I had six years of that. And then gradually as I got to know them better and things were working really sweetly 
and I'd even catch them some fish sometimes, you know. You run a lure out behind the tour boat mm. and you get that many barra, you know, you can't eat them all, so give some to the community. Yeah. And I got a reputation of that and the oldies would say to me, you know, young fella, you could do more for us. Mm. We can see it in you. You got, you got, you got that something. Yeah. We want you to think about that. Yeah. And if if you do do anything, we'll help you. And I was thinking, how they can help me? Mm. Until I remember what Uncle Thomas said. And then um, the time came for me to leave there, and I left there, and I went to to Millstream, my mum's country. Oh yeah. Yeah, 1987. Just in from Kratha? Yeah, straight inland. Beautiful road there. Now I was there a couple of weeks ago. With uni, which which uni, which university did you attend? Well, I wanted to do a program to do with culture and there was only one place I could do it. Mm. That was Canberra. Oh, okay. And a brochure arrived. I reckon it was spiritually motivated, you know. Things happen for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. And um, when that um, arrived, I looked at it and it had cultural heritage management, Hmm. CHM, and you could do it in Canberra. And I thought, Canberra, of all places. Um, Didn't even entertain it initially because it was just too too big, too far away. When you first moved there? Yeah. What what age are we talking about now, what year? I was 40, so it was 89. Was it four years? Uh, Three. Three years? Three years. And then you moved back to WA and you ended up in Narragin, I think. I went to Narragin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Where I think you did a Carers of Everything. That's the story. Uh, Yeah. Uncle Thomas told me that story when he was teaching me. Can you tell me more about Carers of Everything? Even where the name come from. I like that name. Yeah. Well, Mundangak, Karajinani. That's what Uncle Thomas called it. Right. Which means the spirit that came out of the darkness into the light to care for everything. Nice. So in the English you would call it the carers of everything. Yeah. And that's where the name came from. Nice. The English version. And when I was in Canberra I'd learned that if you brought science to our culture and explained to people in science, Mm. they could understand it. Mm. If you tried to tell them in... Our way, they couldn't. Why is that? Is it because we feel it? Um, that's part or, of it. Or do we? Do I, I feel like as Aboriginal yeah. people, we see things differently. We too. do. We do. No doubt about it. And if you think about that question and you think about where that answer would take us, then of course you've got um, this non-Aboriginal world where. Mm. It's all science-based, large doses of scientific principle, I always say. And they want proof. Yes. <laughs> That's where the science comes into it. Yeah. And if it's got data from science, then it's real mm. and it's written about. Yeah. If it's just a story, well, it's just a story. Yeah. It's got no credibility and nothing, but they're fast learning. Mm. And, that, you know, that's, I suppose that's something that a lot of people don't understand is... Yeah. It, 
And I, I try to explain it to some Wadula people about yeah. the feeling when you come home. Yep. When you walk in your front door at your house. <laughs> yeah. That feeling that you get. Yeah. That's what we get as Aboriginal people when we come back to we our do. country when we've been we do. over the eastern yeah. states, overseas or whatever. Yeah. It's it's not just a door opening for that's us, it's right. the country. Well, that's what it was like for me when I came back from the east. Yeah. You know, as I was working, uh, studying over there, I used to have to do um, work placements at the at the National Museum, mm. at the National Art Gallery, at the Powerhouse Museum in Sydney, yeah, and things like that, you know, and yep. all of those places wanted me to get a job there mm. and stay there. But I was on a mission. I was hell bent on coming home. Country was calling. Oh, it's calling. It was really calling me. And and, and that's the, yeah, I think that's the thing yeah. as well is that you know yeah. your 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 journey yeah. of and and I always say and, and oldies yeah. always taught me that things happen for a reason. They do. And it's all these little things yeah. that build up that build yeah. you. Yeah. And your journey from you know from the bush. To yep. a fringe dweller, to yep. living in town, yep. experiencing trauma at a, at a young age, yep. going onto country on your mother's yep. country, and then going out into yep. right out through WA yep. and yep. to re- remote areas and sitting down with lawmen, yep. you know, yep. and, and that culture, yep. and then moving to Canberra, exactly, and going to <laughs> university. Can you imagine the stress? Whereas there? you not only studied, I think mm. you became a lecturer as well. I did. Well, yeah. I was very lucky over there. The two people that were in charge of the course, mm. Dr. Amazwar Gala, who was an Indian from India and trained through Oxford University in London, England, and Dr. Brian Egloff from America, Harvard, an anthropologist, mm. they said to me, Noel, after a few months, they said, Noel, we can't teach you much. <laughs> what if you help us by being a lecturer? Yeah. So I took that role on and, and I'd, this I'd was never all... been a lecturer before, but it's just <laughs> like being a ranger, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've got to know your stuff. But that's, that's the yeah. thing, Uncle, it's just yeah. that, you know, your whole your whole journey and, and reading yeah. up, you know, with your, your life story, Yeah. You, you was... You was put here to carry our stories. And, I, I and believe to share so. our stories. You know, yeah. You're on. You're on so many committees and organisations yeah. now. You're involved with so many yeah. events and activities. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it was your calling. I've been very lucky. You know, country was calling. I, I've home. lived my life. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. And then, but it feels like you're just beginning. <laughs> you know, reading reading your yeah. story and yeah, yeah. and seeing you around events. Yeah. You're so calm. You know, you're, yep. you're, you're very soft-spoken, you know. Yep. You're you're charm to talk to. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. just so relaxing here. You make me feel good. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> oh, dear. What, what, what do you... If I could give advice to youngsters, yes. you know what I would say? What? I would say look up the word faith mm. because Aboriginal people lived according to their spirituality by faith. Mm-hmm. And the first part of that word is justified this way. It says the um, assurance of the things you hope for. That's the first part of it. Mm. The second part is the conviction of the things you cannot see. And that's what Aboriginal people live. That's the whole baseline for Aboriginal people living in their spiritual life. Because when I got a job as a ranger... And I came down here to Perth. 
they said, well, you've got to come to Hackett Drive in Netherlands. Well, I had no idea where that was. Yeah. But I knew where Perth was. Yeah. And I'm driving around the square in Perth, you know, Adelaide Terrace, uh, Williams Street, and um, not Adelaide Terrace, but St George's. St George's, yeah. And then Barrack Street and across to the one that goes past the railway station and then around. I'd been around twice and a motorbike pulled up alongside me when I was at the Barrack Street mm. and it was a policeman <laughs> and a red light. And I was in a beautiful uh, XA Falcon Fairmont Coupe. Okay. Walnut glow with a doe-skin vinyl roof, leather seats, mag wheels. And I was trying to be whiter than a white man mm. when I look back. Mm. And Was you trying to be white or trying to fit into I what just, was happening? I just wanted to be the best of whatever I was, you know. Yeah. And that's what I was doing. Because I, I, my dad always said, good, better, best. Don't you ever let it rest, son, until the be- the good is better and the better is best. So should we go shares in copyright for that <laughs> song? Because that, that'll be an... <laughs> oh, dear. It'll make a good song. In in the city, you know, we're talking yeah. uh, talking about that and and was it was it that sense of of trying to be accepted in those times, yeah. you know, with, with yeah, law and, and public? It was, but also when I was looking at that policeman and he looked at me. I said, I've got a job interview for a National Park Ranger in Hackett Drive, Netherlands, in half an hour. Can you help me? Yeah. You know what he did? He put the siren on, his motorbike. He put the lights on, rode out in the middle of the <laughs> intersection. The car in front of me signalled to go through. Yeah. And then I followed him all the way to Hackett Drive in Netherlands and into the car park there. I could see the curtains opening. I'm thinking, who's coming here? Yeah. And the spirit meant guided it. It made it happen for me. Yeah, meant and I never take it for granted, you know. Yeah. And that's the way you've got to live yes. is don't take it for granted. You've got to do what you can while you can. Yeah. And um, one day it'll be finished with you mm. and when it is, you've done your job. And that's that's the beauty yeah. about and I always say to a lot of, you know, well, I say to my kids, you know, nieces yeah. and nephews, you know. Yeah. If something bad happened, I always remember the old yeah. is going, you're right. It happened for a reason. It, it'll yeah. sort itself out. Yeah. Or if someone yeah. doing wrong, they'll get what's coming to exactly. them. Exactly. You know, what goes yeah. around comes yeah. around. And Same day. If place. you're doing the right thing <clears throat> and yeah. pushing forward yeah. all the time, you know, yeah. and then learning to step back yeah. is what I got taught, yeah. you know, from our elders. You're on the elder advisory for the city of Perth. Yes. Do you feel you and the other elders are making a difference in the city? Oh, I certainly do. Yeah. It's an interesting um, exercise, that one. And, you know, I had to earn my stripes first mm. because Annie Doolan, she ran the ruler over me to make sure I was <laughs> I was from here and not, you know, from yeah. somewhere else. She knew Mum was from the Pilbara. Yeah. But anyway, after dust, and, and after we, we, Dad and we the hearts. To, we have to do that sort of thing, yeah, you know? As, you know as I, I completely accept that. Yeah. And then knowing that the, the main family for us down here was the hearts, mm-hmm. you know, that's our, our mob, and the wallies. And um, um, and then, you know, um, the, the, oh, goodness, there's other families that we're related to as well. Yeah. And you go back three generations and they were all marrying in, you know, all the way. This is the first time that City of Perth yeah. has had an Elders Advisory Committee? I believe it is. How does that make you feel? Oh, it makes you feel ten foot tall. Yeah. 
No. We're finally getting a voice. We're getting a voice. And you'll often hear the elders say, we actually get a seat in there now, whereas before they wouldn't even let us through the door. Yeah. And um, Do you find them that, that they actually do hear you or are they just listening oh, and ticking They're the real. They're real? They're real. Yeah. I can t- tell you now they're real. What what are what are you what are you most proud of we've, of, of achieving? Yeah, we've put together a um, a rap plan for the city of Perth. Yeah, and they're enacting it. You know, we did the first one, and um, then followed that up with the second one, which we're halfway through now, mm. and that's being enacted. And you know, everything that's going on around the city is part and parcel of what we've been recommending. With, with yeah. that's, that's sort of, I love what's happening, you know, yeah. as, as a young Noongar yeah. fellow coming through. Yeah. I love seeing um, a lot of our languages yeah. and a lot of the places are starting to, to be recognised and mm-hmm. place names. Are we overdoing it a bit? Are we forcing too much onto non-Aboriginal Australia? I don't think so. I don't think so. But, but what I'm finding from non-Aboriginal Australia, Phil, is... Something's happening within them mm. as people. They're starting to realise that something wrong's been done here. Yeah. And they want to make up for it. Yeah. And um, while that's the flavour of the month, we've got to gain as much ground as we can mm. in that space. Yeah. And then if we can instill the statement from the heart, that beautiful piece of... Um, you know, knowledge that came out of the centre of Australia when, you know, they ran that out there at Uluru. Mm. And um, the sad reality, you know, was our Prime Minister didn't bring it into being. Yeah. But it's still sitting there waiting and we will get a Prime Minister that'll bring it in. Mm. And when we've got ministers like Ken Wyatt, you know, and um, the role that Ben played here in WA... Ben Wyatt, then of course, you know, that that's gonna bring the change. With you know, we have our we we have, you know, Ken and Ben yep. in, in places like this, you know, and yep. and other certain people in our community who mm-hmm. um um have, have been put yep. out there as yep. as our spokespeople sure. or our leaders and things like that. Yep. How do, how does it make you feel when our leaders and, you know, people in these positions who can make change be attacked by our mob, you know, through social media, things like that. That's the sad reality, you know, and I guess social media is this beast Mm. and uh, it gives everyone a voice and, um, you know, whereas when I was growing up there was none of that sort of thing and Mm. all you ever heard was the good about most people. Yeah. And very rarely would you hear the, the negative. Yeah. And then if it was, then it was, um, you know, on the reserve where they were shouting at one another yeah. and yelling and screaming. Yeah. And um, everybody knew what was going on. The dirty linen was aired, aired everywhere. Yeah. But uh, today it's 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 um, electronic and I don't go near it. Yeah, never, it's never, very... Never had a Facebook account. There was always yarn carrying, you know. Oh, of course. I remember as a little yeah. fella going around to, with, yeah. with Dad and, and Nans and Pops and they sit around <laughs> yeah. yarn and run and yeah. just follow down, run and that, yeah. follow down. Yeah. But now it's we've got this platform where yeah. people can just run anyone down. Yeah. Whereas yeah, yeah. we don't, I feel like we're, yeah. 
every time someone steps up with a voice in our community, right. yep. people are trying to pull them down. Yeah. And, you know, with our elders, our elders yep. are our voice these days is the way that I see it. You know, I do they're, too. They're our spokespeople. And, you know, I, I cop a lot of it and I hear my family saying to me, have you seen what such and such written about you on the thing? Mm. And I said, if I sat down and worried about that, I wouldn't leave home. <laughs> and I'd get nothing done in the community. Yeah. i just got to go out and do this and that's what I'm here for. Yeah. And i just get out there and do it. And well, what, it. Would you, what would you say to somebody... Who, who is having a a, yeah. a, a a crack at somebody who's trying to make a change, who's sitting there on a, yeah. on, a, on, a well, on their phone on I, a computer? I would say to them, you know, um, I understand where you're coming from, brother or sister. You know, the frustration and the angst that's within you, mm. and you've got no way of expressing that other than through this medium. Mm. And um, what you need to do is is realise that you can also get it an adrenaline rush from going out there and doing the good. Yeah. And looking for the good in everything rather than just being negative, negative, negative. Because if I want to look for negative, I'd find truckloads of it. Mm. If I want to look for positive, I'll find truckloads of that too. Mm. It's just that you have this wolf inside you, you know, mm. and uh, and it depends which wolf you feed. <laughs> There's You're... a good wolf and a bad one. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. It. Your legacy, mm-hmm. you know, what is your legacy for future generations? Well, I would just like them to look back and to be able to understand there are such things as songlines. Mm. And I've spent a lot of time working on songlines and have done all the primary songlines in Western Australia. You yeah. know, they're now enshrined in academia mm. through Edith Cowan University. And I'd say have a look at them and... Uh, Realise that the primary ones are the ones that sit over the top of all different country mm. with a big story like the carers of everything. Yeah. And then there's local stories that's in the head of the elders in those locations. Yeah. You can't put them on paper. And that's the beautiful thing about yeah. our, the song lines and once you start realising yeah. it and understanding and and things happening in... Yep. In our culture, yep. knowledge, kadijan, yep. is given to us at certain yep. times and yep. certain ages or experiences that yes. we go through. Yes. I remember as a kid, I wanted to know everything. <laughs> but it's throughout life and yes. your life experiences where you start to learn these That's things, right. eh? and you, yep. tra- you travel. Yep. And the lovely thing that I love about our song lines is that we are all connected to Aboriginal Australia. We are, right across. We've got brothers and sisters, and yep. we need to stop this division. Yeah. And these boundaries in, and, and respect each other's country. Exactly. You know? And I'd like, you know, future generations to think about, well, we're not just here in this country. Mm. Our song lines go beyond here. Yeah. You know? yep. And for them to explore that. Yeah. And see where it leads them. Yeah. Because all cultures go back to a, um, you know, a time in the, in the, in the cave. Mm-hmm. All cultures. Mm. It's just that some of them are 7,000 years away from it. Yeah. And here we are just 191 years away from it. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty fresh here. Yeah. Well, Uncle, thank you so much for coming in. Is yeah. there anything that you want to finish off and say or add to our conversation? Um, no, other than to... Because this is going to be recorded for yeah. another 7,000 years. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, other than to just say that... Um, it's indeed been an honour to be able to come back onto 
my dad's traditional homeland and and be accepted and be able to do things that uh, help others, you know, find a way in life and make it more meaningful for them. Mm. And not just meaningful but also easier to live and yeah. not uh, not hard. Mm. But we've got a lot, of do, a lot of work to do yet. Yes. And, and thank yeah. you so much for being you yeah. and your journey and your spirit, your wisdom and the yeah. way that you deliver yeah. and talk to people is is the way that we can change Australia and bring black and white people together. Beautiful, thanks. So thank you so much, John. Been an honour. No worries. Cheers. That was Storyteller Uncle Noel Nana. I'm Phil Wallystack and you've been listening to Nee, a series of conversations with Aboriginal elders living in Boraloo, Perth. This podcast was produced by Community Arts Network in partnership with City of Perth and with support from the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. You can hear more stories like this by visiting can.org.au or through your favourite podcast service. For more information, check out can.org.au. Until next time, Bordeaux.